At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square, Fast Money starts right now. I'm Scott Wapner in tonight for Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, retail stocks are in the midst of a major comeback, but can it last? The former CEO of Home Depot, Bob Nardelli, says something has changed for retailers. He's here to explain. Plus, Disney and Fox could be very close to making a media deal. So which media stocks will be next? The traders have one name in mind. And later, one of the biggest Bitcoin bears on Wall Street, Dennis Gartman, is here. And he's got a big warning for retail investors. But first, we start with chaos on Capitol Hill. As it took down stocks again today, the Dow sinking into the close and ending the day down triple digits. This as protesters in D.C. have emerged as uncertainty swirls around the final draft of the tax bill. Elon Moy on Capitol Hill for us tonight. Elon. Scott, this is really Democrats' last stand to try to block this tax bill. They stormed office buildings here on Capitol Hill today. They were chanting, tax the rich, not the sick. They also said, kill this bill, don't kill us. We saw the protesters sitting down on the floor trying to block the entrances to lawmakers' offices. They were blocking the hallways as well. We saw several people getting arrested about 300 protesters in all were expected here today, and they were targeting lawmakers who represent swing districts, Republicans who might be representing purple districts. And for Democrats, this is really now more about just the tax bill. They now are looking at this as a health care issue because the Senate version of the bill repeals the individual mandate. They're also talking about immigration because that's been swept up into all of these different negotiations as well. For Republicans, they're trying to separate all these issues. They say the tax bill does not, uh, is not contingent on a government funding bill or on an immigration deal. And House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady just recently spoke to reporters less than an hour ago. He said that House members feel very strongly that both the individual and the corporate alternative minimum tax should be repealed. That's somewhat stronger language than he's used before. He also said they're looking at some different options to deal with the state and local tax deduction. Now, there's currently a $10,000 deduction for property taxes in the bill that could be expanded to include income tax and sales tax as well. They are also looking at tweaking the the international side of the tax code as well as they hear back from businesses. So the formal conference has not yet begun. The Senate has to vote in order to kickstart that process, Scott. We're expecting that vote could come as early as tomorrow. Back over to you. Okay, Elon, thank you so much. Elon Moy for us on Capitol Hill. So is this tax plan in trouble or will we see tax cuts by Christmas? And what does that mean for the rally as we close out the year? A guy, I go to you. Is that what this is all about? Fears over over the tax plan? Well, yeah, I think that's a lot to do with it, without question. I also think some of these headlines about Deutsche Bank have something to do with it. I think about North Korea talking about um, some of the rhetoric coming out of there has a lot to do with it. I think something going on in China, the fact that 10-year yields are now around 4% there, and that economy seems to be slowing, has something to do with it. 
But yes, tax does absolutely have something to do with this first in, first out that you were talking about that's on the halftime report. That's a big deal. I think that's a big deal as well. You can no longer really cherry pick what stock you're going to take in terms of capital gains. Nothing, a lot of people haven't talked about it. You've discussed it. I think that was part of the sell-off today. I'll make one point, though. VIX closed lower on the day, down 3%. Mm -hmm. So the VIX is not telling you that the market's all they're concerned but right the, now. But the level, um, Tim, of the reversals that we've had the last couple of days, it's certainly different than what we're used to and doesn't feel normal. I mean, to reverse 300 points yesterday and then to finish down triple digits again today after being up, what's going on? Well, some of the things that have reversed massively, and we could make that same call on technology stocks that are down 15 to 20 percent in, in less than two weeks um, in some of the higher flyer chips and whatnot. I think this is a market phenomenon, more a dynamic of where we are at the end of the year. Um, there could be some of this LIFO, FIFO fear, and it certainly would lead to more of a buyer's, uh, I think, strike than it would necessarily force people to be selling here. But, but largely what you're having here is I think the, the, the act has happened. Now we're waiting for detail. What, what you can start to do, what I think you're going to continue to see, this rotation into financials, industrials, uh, and retail, I think is something that stays alive, but we need more detail. And I think if you start to get, you know, 2019 in terms of the Senate bill is where you start to enact the corporate tax cuts. That's how people are starting to trade this. Who gets the benefit now? Who doesn't? Um, I am not too alarmed by this, frankly. After the run we've had, and, and I think we priced in small cap 16%, up, uh, what the transports did, and really what banks have done in the last week is extraordinary. Dan, some are saying that people are incentivized to sell stocks now when they otherwise wouldn't even right. be thinking of doing so because of changes in the tax code that could be more punitive next year than now. That's right, and, and it's kind of counterintuitive. You wouldn't think so. So, uh, you know, I know that you guys were discussing that. I think the network was discussing it most of the day, and that's really one of the things I think people put their finger on as far as technology stocks over the last few days as some of this, um, I, I guess, some of the plan has kind of come out. I mean, a lot of the problem here is you started off the conversation with, is this about tax? It's also about budget this week. It's also about if the government were to shut down down. What does it mean for the timetables of this taxes? We know that there's a lot of cyclical stocks that like the prospects of this bill getting signed um, on Saturday morning. So what have we done now? You know, we've actually opened high, right, yesterday morning, and we've closed on the lows. Every major index, the S&P is down, what, one and a half percent? The Nasdaq is down two percent. The Russell 2000 is down three percent. But I think more importantly, to your point, Scott, is that this SMH, the, the semiconductor ETF, okay, is down eight percent from its highs just last Tuesday, all right? And there's a lot of those stocks in there that are down a lot more. And then you have Facebook, who's down at one how much are they up on the year today? How much are they up on the year today? What I'm saying is, can I tell you back? something? We haven't had a proper sell-off since the first quarter of 2016. No one knows what it feels like anymore. And if this thing was to start to snowball, you don't think that there would be a lot of people heading for the doors at the same time? We just haven't seen it yet. So I don't know. I, don't, these, I can't tell you These reversals don't feel normal. All, to be up 300 points yesterday well, the, and then to peel it all back... And then today you're firmly in positive territory, and then to peel it all back. And but then Scott, so a lot of this hasn't felt normal. I, I will, I will agree with that. And I think again, the the the, the diversion you've seen between small caps and triple Qs right away—that is something you don't see. They they often trade together. They should be trading together. There's some cyclicality to those trades. Uh, but when I look at the moves that we've had cross sectors and the power of some of these moves, none of this feels normal. And frankly. You know, the, the equity market and the debt markets that have been rallying for nine straight years is a 100-year event for markets. So we're there. Uh, a 3% pullback is something we haven't seen since the first quarter of 2016. That is abnormal. 
and I think that's what we're getting. Well, it's not normal because we don't have clarity. We have absolutely no clarity. So people, some people are looking for the sell button. It's also part of the whole rotation that we've seen, right? I mean, this has gone all on all year, and you and I talk about it at halftime all the time. All year long, rotation, 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 and some of it gets a little bit faster. Right now, I think because of the tax plan, they're going after certain areas, and obviously some of those that, when you look at what the chips have done up to this point, an 8% yes. pullback is nothing, right? I, I go through all the fangs and most of the major NASDAQ big tech companies, not one of them is off more than 10%, except maybe a Netflix. So overall, so, you're they, talking about some, okay, some shallow the, pullbacks. The chip Scott. stocks have pulled back, okay, you say 8%. Okay. 8% is maybe over three or four days, though. The speed at which they the speed and the velocity of this market and the fact has been that they haven't recovered at all. But the speed and velocity of this market has been something we've been talking about a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of this speed and, and how fast things start to move around. I mean, take a look at the financials in the last two weeks since since Thanksgiving. They're up 15 percent. Some of them up even far more than that. Look at Bank of America, 24%. Some of these names have absolutely rocketed to the upside. So the rotation into some of those names, look at the movement to some we, of those we names. We have not had a sell the rips market at all. And now all of a sudden, the last couple of days. But they're not really selling it, it, Scott. I mean, I, again, I would at least push back a little bit. I don't feel. Mark yes. was up nearly 350 yesterday. Yeah, I, I get that. But, I, 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 but I, I think at some point you really do sell the fact that goes on all the time. And I don't care what the news is. Um, we've had a case where we rallied substantially. And what we've seen, I agree with Pete. I mean, the rotation has been very powerful into financials. It's been very powerful into transports in a way that counterbalances. In other words, I think those two moves are extremely balanced in terms of what we well, see. I'm wondering if the Retail, narrative banks, over taxes has sort of changed sentiment yes. on Wall Street. Ray Dalio with a, a blog uh, today, a lengthy and thoughtful one about the impact of the tax plan on New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, oh, California, and other areas. Extraordinary. Maybe people are starting to think about that a little bit more. Steve Weiss putting out a note today that I thought was interesting along the same lines, a market that we've never seen before after being up so strongly throughout the year, figuring you're going to get a Santa Claus rally, and now people wondering, maybe I should actually sell stocks now because the conditions are going to be more punitive next year. I think that's fair. I mean, I, and I think it would be I, it would make a lot more sense if the VIX was north of 15 right now instead of closing lower on the day. But all right, we'll give you that one pass. I think the fact that the yield curve continues to now, I mean, you're talking about levels we haven't seen now in 15 years in terms of 210s. And I'll give you one more that's concerning, but not overly so. You take a look at the HSI that went, was trading over 30,000 about a week or so ago, trading 28,000. Now, I only mention it because look where we topped out at the end of 2008, exactly where we just topped out now. That's something to watch in the short term for sure. Anybody buying today or, or no? I bought some puts. Uh, you know, so to your shocked. point about, about I'm no, 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 no. this is a short-term trade for this week. I actually think <laughs> the fact that we opened on the highs yesterday yeah. and we've closed on the lows for two days in a row now, I think the QQQ, 45% of that is Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, and Google. Uh, 45%, okay? I think we're going to get a follow-through for the next couple days. I think the semis are going to have to wash themselves out. I think you see that SMA Although I like the move out of Micron today, for instance. I mean, the entire group of semis, you can't just put them all in one shot. I think there are some that are they're trading better than others. Intel's off, but it's well, not off. the SMA, so don't put them all in one shot. Well, there shot. you go. So you're putting them all in one. Yeah. Well, I like to go to the individuals because that's where I get all the bank for my buck. So when I look at something like a Wells Fargo, look at the move <laughs> we've seen out of that. Look at Target. Look at some of these names that are fighting against what we're seeing, which is a sell-off in the markets. And and they're actually moving to the upside. I like some of these names. I think there are other opportunities out there. I'm waiting for the sell-offs in some of these tech names to want to add, but I keep waiting down four, five, six percent. That's not enough, Scott, after the moves they've already made. 
And when you look at some of the, the Blackstones, uh, the E-Trades, you know, some of the ways that the consumers have been playing this market and benefiting from a market, those are the places I think you take profits. In fact, I had some E-Trade traded out. It's been a, it's been a very big That's run. I sell. think these are, these are places where you've got so much euphoria wrapped up into the market, but the wealth effect of people, and if people are nervous here, uh, I think it's a good place to pull some props. All right, coming up, Starbucks cooling off this year. That stock down 8% from its 52-week high. It's doing something, though, in China that might have you pressing the buy button. We're going to explain coming up. Plus, even with today's sell-off, retail stocks are up a staggering 10% over the past month. So have they suddenly gone from trade to investment? And later, Guy Adami is on fire when it comes to the fast pitch. And he says one media stock that's up 20% in the past month is still a screaming buy. He's oh, yeah, going Guy. to explain why much more fast money is next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Starbucks teaming up with Alibaba to ramp up its presence in China. Here's what Executive Chairman Howard Schultz had to say, all the way from Shanghai on Squawk. We've been here 18 years, and many people don't realize for the first nine years, we were not very successful. And so there was a lot of pressure on us early on to kind of close the tent and say it's not going to work. Uh, so, but I think we had to have patience and we had to have a deep commitment to being locally relevant and understanding the consumer. But I, I, I don't want to embarrass Jack, but you, you also have to have friends here. And Starbucks China CEO Belinda Wong said the coffee giant is adding one store in China approximately every 15 hours. Mm -hmm. Staggering is that, although it hasn't helped the stock price, Timmy, much this year. Well, I think it's done fine. In fact, Starbucks is up about 10% off the lows, and a lot of people have wondered whether they can grow at the same rate. And let's face it, U.S. is growing 3%, China's growing 8%. But the, the message here is that Starbucks may, in fact, be one of the most successful uh, U.S. multinationals at really uh, inculcating themselves into the Chinese culture with their partners and their customers. And what's going on with Alibaba, so you've got Taobao as they walk in, you've got uh, mobility and location software allowing them to know who their customer is as they walk in there. But partnering with Alibaba, those two guys sitting there. Very, very important. And, and I believe this growth in China, they're going to add 2,000 stores by 2021. Uh, that's extraordinary growth. And I don't think that's in the price. Pete? Well, I, I agree with Tim. I mean, for a long time now, we've been talking about where they're going to get their growth. It's kind of like Nike right now. Everybody focuses on North America, which is a mistake. You've got to figure out where they're going to be able to grow internationally. China's clearly what it is. When we look at all these various earnings, I think 9% was the number for Nike in terms of their growth in China right now. Well, yeah. take a look at the growth that they're getting out of Starbucks over there and the fact that he's embraced the culture. And that was something he said they didn't do early on. That's why they're seeing success now. That makes sense. You know, it's interesting that you bring up Nike. You know, when Starbucks reported about a month ago, the stock was trading at 54 after the results. People didn't love it. You know what? A few weeks earlier, Nike was trading at 54. The, 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 the results were great. It. Both stocks went straight to 60 despite poor sentiment, high-ish valuation. China, that's sort of thing. So didn't evaluate it's kind of interesting. Them right. I'm not certain either stock has a whole heck of a lot from here on out. I mean, if you got the contrarian trade right, then you got it right. But, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of an interesting setup for the two of them. If you look at the fourth quarter real quick, I think it was November 2nd, it wasn't a great quarter. They missed on EPS, they missed on revenue, and their comps were up 2%. I think the street was looking up 3 I mentioned it because you had a sell-off in the aftermarket. I think the stock traded down to 53 and a half, 54 reversed, and it's been off to the races to Tim and Pete's point ever since. So bad earnings report, good price action, not unlike what we've seen with Disney over the last couple weeks. 
leads me to believe maybe this makes a retest of that old high, which was, I think, 65 or so. All right. Still ahead, investors' appetite for fast food is beefing up, and the companies are doing something that could have the stock surging. We'll explain coming up. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. That's how Commodities King Dennis Garvin feels about the exchanges listing Bitcoin. And he's got a stern warning for retail investors. Plus, Guy is bringing the heat, pitching one beaten down stock that has fallen almost 30% this year. But he says the bottom is in, and he'll give up the name when Fast Money returns. Back to Fast Money. Despite today's 1% drop, retail has had a pretty big comeback recently. The XRT is up nearly 11% in the past month. Dom Chu back in our newsroom to break it all down. Hey, Dom. Don't call it a comeback, Scott. All right, or maybe we call it a comeback. But can it last? That's the question. It's those beaten up and left for dead retail stocks finding some signs of life. If we look at the bigger picture at the ETF level, that Spider Retail Fund, the ticker XRT, it's gained around 13% just since November 7th, even with the down day today. Within that ETF, there are 88 component stocks from small and large cap in terms of size. Some of the biggest shorter term winners during that about one month run we've seen have been among the biggest losers year to date. So check out a name like Dick Sporting Goods. One month return, 23%. Still though, down 43% year to date. Department store Macy's, one month return, 38%, but still down 29% year to date. And then there's Foot Locker, a stock that surged 45% in that span, yet is still down 38% for the year to date period. Now, this is a run that's taken the industry to some statistically rare levels to the upside, something people call overbought. It's prompting the questions about whether retail's gone a little too far too fast. Another thing to keep an eye on, of the 88 stocks in that retail ETF, 30 are trading below their 200-day average price, or that longer-term price trend. Scott, there's still a good amount of ground to cover before retail can say it's recovered some of its past glory. Back over to you. All right, Dom, thanks so much, Dom Chu, back in our newsroom. So can you trust this retail bounce? Gentlemen. Well, I think if you think about a couple of things, first of all, from a tax perspective, there's a lot in there for retailers. Most of these guys are domestically based. A lot of these guys are based on the highest effective tax rates, 38, 39 percent. If you look what the analysts have started to do in, in, on, on Wall Street is they've started to impute what this means, whether it's 2018 or 19. The other dynamic here is uh, a sentiment boost for certain sectors, for sure. But, but the reality is uh, a lot of these guys were painted with a brush that they were going to be put out of business by Amazon. And I, I think that was wrong. Well, a lot of these guys needed to change their game, and some of these guys will be, no question. Some of the legacy guys, I think, are, are actually performing, and we're seeing this with Walmart. And, and I, you know, what, what if this I, I is just seasonal? I, I, I think it is seasonal. I, I mean, I disagree with you. And listen, I know that you guys picked off some of these department stores off the lows. You got these massive short squeezes of very short. I think when the, the calendar turns, I think we're going to be right back to that narrative where Amazon were overstored when it comes to the department stores. Um, there may be some guys who get a second uh, breath, like you know, Whole Foods with the Amazon sort of deal, a barbell sort of strategy, online, offline. You may see some some deals like that. But the, the department stores, they're going. Here's where I think they're wrong. I think okay. that the, the retailers out there that are going to have success had to prove it, and they continue to have to prove yeah. it. How are they doing in the e-commerce world? Nike's killing it. Target's doing very well. It's up 24%. When you look, Walmart, obviously, that gets better and better each quarter. As long as they can compete in the online world with the Amazon, the big elephant, if they can compete, 
they can win because they've got great distribution, but they've got to have the distribution on top of the e-commerce growth. Who has great I would also, you know, Target, they got 1,700 stores. Look at Walmart's got scores. All, I mean, there's an easy way for them to be competitive in this online we world. We also have third quarter comps or third quarter numbers that were just through the season. Um, I would push back and say that the XRT last year was down 15% in December. Um, we were going through this secular. You're going to have really easy comps this year. Well, I mean, so, so at the end of the day. But you can't I tell mean, me I, that they rally all the time in holiday season when, in fact, the reason why they're they lower, fair, we're talking right, about hold on, hold on, hold on, is because their Tim, businesses Tim, were pushed around by Amazon, stocks, and last year they got destroyed this time of year. Okay. I, you, yeah, cool? I'm ready oh, now. Good? Let's go. Okay, so here's the deal. I mean, these <laughs> stocks were so beaten down into Q3 results, right, heading into November. So you had this massive snapback. It didn't matter what the results were. We just talked about it with Nike, with Starbucks. And what it mattered what the results were. Oh, the results. They all rallied. Every single one of them, okay? So no, you that, had this massive that's, And that's not squeeze. true either. Look it, at Target. I mean, okay. look at a lot of these, Take these I mean, say something that's have accurate. a ball. Say something. Most of these names, I would, I would agree with you, like a Macy's, for instance. Huge short interest, right? So, yes, I think part of that is really, really what propelled them over. Yeah. Target doesn't have that huge short interest, and yet Target's gone from you know, 54 to 63. That was Guy's power pitch a couple weeks ago. It was Target. my power pitch. They crushed Target on their numbers. <laughs> What are we talking fast about? Power pitch. <laughs> it was my <laughs> Oh, fast pitch. Good call, though. What's that? Sorry. Fast pitch. <laughs> oh. Guy, get in here. What do you got? Well, we got Bob Nardelli. Oh, I was going to move. I was going to move on anyway. Bring in Bob. Thank you. Well, they weren't ready over there. Who's they? Prompter was still sitting in disgust mode. What about Prompter, man? For more on the retail resurgence, let's bring in the aforementioned Bob Nardelli. He was the chairman and CEO of Home Depot from 2000 to 2007. Uh, it give you a little throwback there to the days in the Home Depot boardroom. Yeah, well, listen, I, I think there's some good points here. I, I do think the best way to have a great quarter or year in retail is to have a terrible year, a poor performance the year before. Same store comps go through the roof. So you're, you're right on that point. Thank you. I think there's seasonality. If you look at uh, the stores that were just mentioned there, the retail stores, you got Dick's. My experience in having run, you know, outdoor sporting goods, gun companies, is a lot of seasonality. You got the hunting season. Macy's, uh, again, I think had to reinvent themselves. They were really in the tank. Uh, I don't know what they did on pricing and so forth, but it, again, there's some seasonality there. I think uh, Foot Locker, same thing. You know, they really got in the ditch for a while. They're starting to come back. I know the CEO personally, a great guy. I think he's working against, uh, he's working with some seasonality. I, I think what's happening in retail, we talked a little bit about it here among ourselves, is remember some of us that are old enough, I guess me, is and when, guy. Possibly guy. And guy. guy. Remember when, when the revolution was drive-through <laughs> windows, right? I mean, that's when it really, wow, what a, what a revelation. Well, today, it's all about speed of delivery. So when you got Amazon with Prime and when you got Uber delivery, I, I was at the house the other night, the doorbell rang, the Uber guy's up there with two Arby's and, and, uh, and uh, onion rings. I said, what, what is this? He said, well, somebody in your house ordered two Arby's <laughs> and onion rings, and they were delivered. So... I mean, this instant gratification, the ability to get what you want, whether it's something big like a TV or six AAA batteries from Amazon, I think what we're going to see going forward is, is instant gratification. If you look at Internet of Things and, and uh, artificial intelligence, I visited with some of the great marketing companies. And, for example, you put a sensor on a gallon of milk. When it's halfway down, it's going to automatically reorder for you. Alexa is going to help you do all that. So I think one of the greatest innovations we've seen is with, is with uh, Alexa through, through Amazon. You know, you either innovate or you evaporate. And in the retail side, if you're in apparel, you're kind of stuck with what the designers give you yeah. for that seasonality. In Home Depot, they're innovating every day. New products, you know, putting in new brands. 
And a lot of what comes out of the big box at Home Depot, we were really blessed. You know, when you think about lumber, probably not as portable. When you think about Christmas trees and you think about the garden area, probably not that portable. But clearly, instant gratification, millennials are really going to determine the future and the technology that's going to be fundamental to run an effective retail store. You know, when we talk about Starbucks, think about Kentucky Fried Chicken. Culture is what put them over the top. They made it a family-friendly center for the children and the grandparents to cluster and to have those discussions. He's exactly right. We went into China. We missed it. Uh, we, we were used to people, you know, do it yourself. And over there, it's all about do it for me because of the rates and prices and labor. So I think retail has a future. You've got to have omni-channel. You've got to mix bricks with clicks, yep. to your point. Yep. And those that are successful in being able to do that effectively, being able to pick up at store, one of the beauties about ordering online is you know they got the product. You're not going to make a trip and find out, whoops, they don't have what I'm looking for, right? So I think these are all emerging trends. There is a future for retail, but we also got some that you know, are trading down around $3. Yep. And, and there's going to be some fall off. Those stores that were you know, landmark stores or anchor stores for malls, like Penny's and, J and Sears, they're in trouble. I think they, they haven't been able to reinvent themselves, you, Scott. You think, though, <clears throat> clearly it sounds as though you think some of this bounce has been a little too far too fast. I, I think there's a lot of nothing, seasonality not much in more this. Than seasonal factors. I, I think there's a lot of seasonality in what this. I mean, when, when, at Home Depot, when you got into spring, garden would push you right over the top, right? And, and so there is some seasonality. I think the consumer's feeling pretty confident because a lot of what you guys have said earlier on tax and rebates and so forth. So I think there's some confidence out there. GDP of 3.3, unemployment down. I think people are feeling pretty good would about the Would you, would you the want market. to run a big box retailer today if somebody asked you to do it? I'm not saying, I'm not saying hypothetically, in the environment that we're in, would you, ta would, would you take a retail CEO job today? Well, as an old football player, you'd rather be on the field than on the bench. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to take one in the ditch, quite honestly. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind I mean, there, are, there aren't that many at the 50-yard line. I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, difficult, right? I mean, it's there, there's you know, some out Costco, there. Best Buy. Yeah, Costco's doing great, right? I mean, if you look at uh, their performance and you look at the, the fence line and the, and the deals, it's like a uh, treasure hunt. If you don't go into Costco every weekend, you're going to miss out on something. So they've got that, that attraction about coming in, finding a heck of a deal. If you wait a week, it's gone. It's, you know, they do a magnificent job of sell in and sell out. They don't really restock a lot of the products that are in there. Yeah. Good to have you, Bob, as always. Awesome. Yeah, Happy yeah, holidays. Thank you. Really. We'll see you, uh, I hope, soon. Thank you very right, much. Bob Nardelli. You want to trade this? Legend. Playing you, uh, give me, give me one quick Home thought, Depot. Move. Well, Pete pitched this the other day, but we've been bullish collectively in Home Depot since Frank Blake was there. 22 times forward earnings. Concern over the summer was it going to be Amazon. That proved to be false. They have a great balance sheet. They continue to grow. Valuation is reasonable. You talked about being on the 50-yard line. Home Depot's been on the goal line now for the last decade. And, and they're, they're, they don't have too much floor space. So, you know, Bob's talking about a JCPenney's and a, and, a, and a Sears that are ubiquitous and that there's way too much floor space out there. Home improvement guys have not been doing that. By the way, again, home improvement guys are paying some of the highest effective tax rates in the retail sector. Lowe's is at 39. Home Depot's at 36.6. These guys absolutely benefit from this. Home Depot's been investing in services out of their business. 
It's I, about I valuation. It's about efficiency. It's about all those things and the online experience. He said it, you know, bricks and clicks. I mean, that is a part. Yeah. If you are a part of all of those and fundamentally you have a, a sound company, you know that Home Depot is so share, shareholder friendly. They bought back 35% of their shares in the last 10 years. I mean, these guys have done everything okay. right to compete guys, with the world. Guys, said something really important. I think you on this side of the desk missed it, but we got it, okay? Oh, okay. What he talked about was, was IoT and he talked about Alexa and the only people who have that going on right now is Amazon. So the growth that you're talking about in e-commerce and a lot of these other guys in the Omni Channel, it's off very low basis. It's still single digits percentage of their sales. Okay, so it's going to. Why are you guys looking at what, me like that? What's your point? point is, my point is Home Depot because that's what we're talking about now. We moved on to the broader retail. So what I'm saying is, I think Amazon is going to start flexing their muscles on these guys next year, putting together AI, voice, okay, IoT, the sensors, that sort of thing. I think you guys are. That's a huge. But but they they've been doing that. I'm, I'm confused I know, they, because, they, in fact, they, are you telling me they're going to disrupt Home Depot? Because I don't think they no, will. No, not Home Depot. I'm just talking about all the other loser retailers that you guys like, <laughs> oh, not the Home Depot. That's mean-spirited. Right. You know, there are good people that work at those establishments. No, I get and that. Equally good people Hundreds of thousands. There. Yeah, but Hundreds of thousands. Yeah, thank you. Okay. There are. All, right. all right, let's stick with retail. One trader is betting that Best Buy's run is done. What, what did you say? Yeah, very near term. This is uh, something I know that Pete looks at this stuff every once in a while. When you see very short dated options purchased. So today, Best Buy, a stock that's massively outperformed the whole retail space, is up 45% of the year. It's up 15% in just the last couple of weeks. Call volume is two times that of puts. But the trade I want to highlight, it was the largest trade of the day, was a buy of the December 60 puts. 3,000 times a trader paid 56 cents to open. Those things break even at uh, 59.44, down about 5% from the trading price. So what caught my eye is if we have a one-year chart here. The thing has been pretty range-bound. It had that recent rally I just mentioned. This trader is obviously looking for a short-term pullback over the next six or seven trading days. Could be protection, that sort of thing. But to me, kind of range-bound sort of stock. I know the stock had a big gap after their earnings. There are no identifiable events between here and then, other than maybe the Fed meeting, which we didn't mention, that sort of thing. So some near-term protection, possibly. All right. All right. For more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. You on, are you on Friday? Yeah, I'll be on. Tune All right. in. All right. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> Still ahead, fast food, fast profits, McDonald's, Yum, and Shake Shack all soaring in the last few months. And one of those names just did something that's beefing up the competition. We will explain. Plus, guys got the hot hand, knocking pitch after pitch out of the look, park. Look. Can he do it again with his new call? Much more fast money. That's right after this. All right, we're back on Fast Money. It is time now for an instant replay back in July in the heat of the summer. Guy said that Red Hat was going to break out. Stock keeps continuing to move to the upside. We're not nearly near the all-time high we made probably in 99, 2000. But this is a stock that despite valuation still has room to the upside. Why? Because they're pretty much the only game in town. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to gather myself. What would you do? What is wrong with you? What happened? Look at that thing. 25%. Get, guys, there was got on camera. Oh, my and God. And cracking me up. He's All right. There's plenty of upside for the stock. But recently, we've seen Red Hat have a big run, Guy. Yeah. Nice job for you. I appreciate that. Do you think that, the stock Tom. can continue to run in this fashion? You know what? I do. Obviously, we've had a soft in technology over the last couple of weeks. Red Hat, Red Hat has not been immune from that. But I think you continue to earn it into earnings on December 19th. I think you'll get a pleasant surprise six days before Christmas. So, Thanks by the way, Guy, you've been on so 
much fire. I think it's time for you to run. Well, you know, maybe I another know, one. Watch your head on the I'm back. Give us Are another great fast pitch when Scott comes back. Well, thank you, Tim. I, thank I'm you, back Scott. And thank, well, welcome back, Scott. And this, here's a pitch for you, folks. What has been in the news recently? All these media stocks, all these content stocks. So what am I going to give you here today? D I S C A Discovery Communications. Why, you ask? Well, they just upped their stake in OWN. That's the Oprah Winfrey Network for those playing at home. Oprah Winfrey being one of the great activists in the stock market, as it turns out. What else? Huge short interest in this name. Ridiculous short interest. Names you don't want to be short in the current environment we find ourselves in. What is that environment? Well, reasonable valuation and the hint of M&A all around us. I think Discovery Communications is very interesting. You saw Mr. Zaslav with the great interview with Julia Borston a couple weeks ago. And I think the Animal Planet is one of the best networks out there. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Guy. Does anybody have a question for Guy? Yeah, I do. Uh, ultimate Guy, this, you could make an argument that these guys were going the way of Viacom and all these other guys where people fail to see the value in their content until we got this recent bid for Fox. What happens when one of the two one of the two major players get taken out and there's nothing left for these guys? When there's when they're they have nobody left to take them to the prom. I think that's a good question, and maybe we fall back to that $16 level that we just bounced from. But I think currently in the environment that we find ourselves in, you're going to get shoot first, ask questions later, and shoot first in this stock means cover your short, which is why I think we could see it run up to levels we last saw last December, closer to 27 or $28. Okay. Any more questions? One more. Well, I like, I like what you're talking about valuation-wise, but in terms of content, Guy, I mean, is there any concerns and where are they weak right now, Discovery? <laughs> They're weak in every place but the Oprah Winfrey Network. Oh, what is, well. what, I'm turning around and facing you guys. You can turn around What is so funny? I mean, it's like, a, it's like a comedy show. Look, Animal Planet on its own is worth something. The right. stake in Oprah Winfrey Network is significant and substantial. And it's I do Tim's think fault. on valuation alone, it makes a lot of sense. Scott, do you want me to complete this? I mean, all right, folks. No, I had it right. I had it. All right, let's vote. Let's vote. Let's vote. Show your votes. Show I'm your a votes. buyer. I like what guys, what, what he's Steve. pitching makes a lot of Steve. sense to me. It's a great value. Value, as he says, and potentially, up. you know what, there's upside here. Timmy. You know what? I agree with him. I mean, I, I own Viacom for the same reason, but I think content was, was much maligned, and I think there's truly value here, and I think these guys trade cheap. Uh, I don't agree with him. I, where were you guys at $16 a couple weeks ago? We talked day, about so it. $16 I, I stayed a couple long weeks ago. It's in the call. same okay, boat, Okay, so you should have done your power pitch a couple weeks ago. I, I just feel like this is a really <laughs> levered company, and it was a lot cheaper two weeks ago. All right, so two buys, one sell on the desk. But did guys pitch for Discovery make you want to buy the stock? Vote in our poll right now. We will reveal the results later in the Ooh. show. Plus, Ouch. Bitcoin bear Dennis Gartman says there are three things that need to happen for him to finally turn bullish on the digital currency. He'll tell us what they are when Fast returns. Welcome back to Fast. The fast food price wars are heating up, but that's not hurting the stocks. Kate Rogers in the newsroom with more on that story. Hi, Kate. Hey there, Scott. That's right. Fast food competition has been fierce in 2017, and it looks like that trend will continue into the new year. Now, McDonald's announced on Monday its plans for new value menus with items for $1, 2 and $3. The new dollar menus will be released on January 4th and will include any size soft drinks and cheeseburgers for $1, bacon McDoubles for $2, and triple cheeseburgers for $3. Now, not to be outdone, Taco Bell reminding diners yesterday of its bounty of deals 
sales. It already has 20 items on its value menu for just a dollar. The chain announcing it will add another 20 new items to be rolled out on that menu throughout 2018. McDonald's price cuts aren't limited to food. They've also, of course, moved into the coffee arena, putting it in tighter competition with Dunkin' Donuts for consumers at breakfast with $1 small McCafe drinks. Dunkin' Donuts is also an outperformer for the year, up some 16%, and of course hit a new 52-week high today. McDonald's is the best-performing fast food stock for the year, up more than 40% so far in 2017. But Yum! Brands, parent company of Taco Bell, isn't too far behind, up by around 30% year-to-date. These price drops could, though, wind up squeezing stores and franchisees as labor and food costs continue to increase over time. All of this price cutting is interesting, of course, on a day when Starbucks is going in the opposite direction, opening up its first reserve roastery and tasting room in Shanghai. There are five of these set to open globally through 2020, and Starbucks is also up around 7% year-to-date. Scott, back over to you. All right, Kate Rogers back in the newsroom for us. All right, let's trade it. Timmy. Well, McDonald's has stayed long the stock. I think the initiatives there continue to grow. The valuation is nothing it's to get upgraded yeah, today. To, I can't remember who did it, but yeah. price target two hundred bucks. Yeah, and, and and again, what we have here, it's a name where they're getting execution on a global brand with new strategies in the retail sector. I still think Shake Shack, where Guy worked uh, for a couple hours last week, is an interesting call. Not because the valuation is interesting, but because these guys are actually starting to grow in ways that I'm not sure I thought that they could, and they're starting to get that follow through. So good for the Shack. See what's going on there, oh, Scott? Oh, look at that. I've seen this many times. You, at least feign some sort of interest in it. I mean, just but. fake it. Just say, wow, that's a really great segment, guy. What do you think about fast food? I'm glad you asked, Scott, because a couple weeks ago we did a thing called the dating game, and we talked about what stocks are interesting here, who could be taken out, who would segment. merge. And I said, you know what? Take a look at Bloomin' Brands. I said, very interesting. It's not about their Italian place. It's all about Outback Steakhouse. They're improving things there. Bloomin' Onion. (laughs) The Bloomin' Onion. Jana Partners just took a stake in the stock. It's not interesting on valuation. Why'd you give me that private? Because I didn't know what you were talking about, Bloomin' Onions. (laughs) At Outback Outback. Steakhouse. Oh, so you're going to... You're going to hype Bloomin' Brands and Outback, and you have onion. no idea what the Bloomin' Onion is? I've never is? been to an Outback. Dude, the Bloomin' Onion is the nice. reason the to go to Outback. The Bloomin' Onion is why everybody goes it's, that, and then you get the steak. It, it, it's it's onion onion that's, that's, that's confusing. America, help me out. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that's, too bad. That's tough. Too bad. I think Yum! is an opportunity as well. I think there's still growth there. I think, you know what, they, they do have price pressures, all these guys do, because of the fact they're bringing these down, but they make it on the liquid side. So that's what they're, they're if they can make it somewhere, they're going to make it, and that's what they're doing right now. Well, it's I think been in all these places, Wendy's included. It's interesting how Yum! Brands has been outperforming Yum! China, Yum China right. which was supposed to be the high growth. <coughs> um, but again, fast food over casual dining has been the trade, and that's about trade one, I think you probably You just stay. talked about McDonald's, you like the initiatives. You remember, like, Domino's was a tech story and this and that. That stock acts horrible. I know it's up 16% yeah. of the year. It's down 15% from its 52 week an all-time highs made a few months ago. This is one that really, you know, it's really important to kind of, this was a growth story, obviously. There was a lot of levers and stuff that were pulling. Um, sales and earnings are supposed to decelerate next year, from 34% earnings growth to about 22% next year. So it's 27 times. This is an expensive stock, so this is one I actually think is a very different story. But the global growth story about. there, to me, is why you own Domino's. And these guys still have a lot of room to consolidate a pizza market that, especially around the world, I think they're, they're a name brand that's actually growing. You know, it's oh. funny, Scott, you should mention Domino's because... Do you have a video of that, too? Take a look at this. <laughs> what do you have, like a button or something? Brilliant! 
<laughs> look at him go. Right, look at that guy. You know, it's funny because if, if Domino started to use UPS to deliver their pizzas instead of guys riding around the neighborhood, you might be able to see a picture yeah, of a guy loading that Domino's was, pizzas into that? his That was UPS. terrible. That was the cheese motion. Oh, yeah, that was the was worst like cheese motion ever. Come on, Paisal. That's how you cheese a pizza. Well, how hard is that? That was cheesy. You'd be, you'd be shocked at how many takes that took. That, look at that. That is shocking. <laughs> I want to go to the cheese again. The that whole was like shocking. horrendous. Thing. Look at my ladle right there. It looks like, like ladle. Super Mario or something. Here comes Here the cheese. Comes. Hold on, wait for it. Here's the cheese. Wait for it. Where are your gloves? What is that? I'll tell you why, why, the cheese, cheese is supposed to go on the pizza. I don't like the fact you jammed your hand in there, bare hands. All right, coming up. I mean, the know. countdown to Bitcoin futures is on as Wall Street goes crazy for the cryptocurrency <laughs> as it continues to soar to new highs. One Bitcoin bear is sticking to his guns. So is there anything that would turn Dennis Gartman bullish? We'll find out when Fast Money comes back. All right, we're back on Fast Money. He's been bearish on oil. He's been bearish on stocks. And back in November, we learned that Dennis Gartman was also bearish on Bitcoin. This is a market where for criminals, this is a market for millennials, this is a market for pure punters. But there's no value here whatsoever. If it wants to go to 10000 let it go. If it wants to go to zero, let it go. I shall not trade it. All right. Well, since then, Bitcoin didn't just go to $10,000. It actually doubled in value and is now just a stone's throw away from reaching $12,000. This leads us to wonder, with Bitcoin hitting yet another record high today, what would it take for Bitcoin's biggest bear to change his mind? Let's ask him. Dennis Gartman back with us from Kansas City. Dennis, good to see you again. Good to be seen. You're still sitting out this parade? Oh, absolutely. I will sit this parade out for a long period of time until, one, until there's time goes by until there's credibility that is given to the to this quasi product until there is regulation involved in it until prices decline until there is a complete lack of volatility if bitcoin was supposed to be a currency rather than some quasi store of value when it becomes a currency and stabilizes then I'll be interested. But until then, I won't be. Can it go to 15,000? Sure, it'll do it without think, me. You don't think it's been legitimized by the CME no. group, by Mike Not, Novogratz, and by, by, well, by others? It, it, it is being given some sense of legitimacy by the CBOE, which begins trading, I think, Sunday night, and by the CBOT, my old trading ground. Uh, I think that begins, what, December 19th, if I'm not mistaken. So clearly that has given some, some legitimacy. But when they begin to pay taxes on it, when it ceases to be a, an avenue for, the, for, the, uh, uh, for uh, uh, avoiding taxes, when it ceases to be a place where drug dealers uh, are, are trading and, and, and making transactions, then I'll be interested. I'd much rather own steel. I'd much rather own ships. I'd much rather own uh, land. Bitcoin. It's a, it is the, the, the modern-day tulip bulb mania, and I will let others trade it. I, I won't touch it, either on the long side or the short side. I wish those who have done well continue to do well. I hope it even goes higher, but it shall do so without me. Hey, hey Dennis, it's Dan. Um, don't you think, hey, though, the, the whole notion of it having to be a currency in your eye? I mean, listen, you, you, make a lot of, you, know, you make a lot of good points about it. And listen, there were a lot of yeah. people who didn't buy Internet stocks 20 years ago or 10 years ago, sure. that sort of thing. Yeah. So to me, you don't, everyone doesn't have to be in there. But you have That's obviously right. been a huge proponent of gold. Gold is not a currency. It's a store of value. So if you look at it the way like a guy like Mike Novogratz said it just on the air today on CNBC, that it's yeah. digital gold. Why can't you kind of buy into the notion that it's a store of value? And, and with massive network effects. 
give me the, the difference between gold and Bitcoin is that gold on a really volatile day may move 2%. Bitcoin on a volatile day moves 15 and 20%. When Bitcoin ceases to be that volatile, Dan, when you get it to the point where it's trading 1% and 2% in big volume days or big uh, volatility days, then you'll have my interest. But how do you, how do you margin something that can move 15, 20, 25% and does it on a regular basis? It's the volatility that frightens me. I've been trading all my life, but this is something that shocks me and, and frightens me. And I'll let other people, uh, and, and I, I hope that you're doing well with it, but it's something that I just simply won't touch. Hey. It becomes legitimate when the volatility leaches away. Dennis, appreciate the time. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Judge. Good to see you. All right, likewise. Have a good holidays, by the way, if we don't see you before. That's Dennis Gartman for us tonight. Trade it. Well, I, I tell you what. I mean, the, the question for a lot of people that are uber bearish on Bitcoin now is what will it take to get you to climb on board? Because the reality is for even the people like Jamie Dimon who have been out spoken critics of Bitcoin, um, his institution is going very hard on crypto and, and in terms of blockchain technology. So the reality is blockchain technology is only mushrooming right now. And, and I think it's just about picking the right horse, whether that's Bitcoin or not. The reality is it's here. I mean, even Novogratz said today that it's a speculative bubble. Of course it is. But, you know, it's that speculation and it's that volatility that's actually gaining awareness for this technology. And so at the end of the day, to create a huge network effect, you need people getting on it and buying into it. You need them making money, losing money, understanding what the, the you know, what, what's going on here. And that can't happen unless people are speculating. So at the end of the day, I think that a lot of people in the stock market are a little disappointed because we're talking about a 10 VIX all the time. and There's no vol and this and that or whatever. And there's no, you know, just buy every dip. There's a lot of trading Traders activity are fired going up. on. Do the exchanges no legitimize no it to you? Of course. It, and you know I agree with you, but Dennis didn't think as much. I, I thought, and and I you know, BK says this all the time. He loves seeing those, those headlines about regulation. The more regulated it is, the more exchanges, it's going to be good for the thing. All right, coming up next, are you buying guys pitched for Discovery? Some of you are. That stock is up after hours. Huh. There it is. Nice little nice pop. Nice job there, fella. <laughs> you can vote in our poll right now as well. The results right after this. Welcome back. <laughs> you know what Oprah Winfrey and Guy Dami have in common? Our weight. They both listen Whoa. to Tony Braxton because wow. America ain't buying guys, bitch. <laughs> Someone is, though. <laughs> Maybe a few people are because that stock is up 2% after hours. And it's time for final trades. We'll go around the horn now. Pete Najeri. Sticking with the financials today. I had unusual activity in Wells Fargo. This thing's going higher. They were buying the Feb 60s. Giddy up, All right, dogs. Timmy. Love Tony Braxton. Home Depot as well. Stay there. All right. Dan Nick. QQQ. I think we see 150 in the next guy. Cool. Scott, again, great having you. Epic moments. Yeah. An absolute really fun thrill. Man. Discovery 5. Discovery communication. Yeah. All right. So. All right. You can catch Fast Money again 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. I'll see you on the halftime show tomorrow at noon. Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.